Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Welcome to another edition of the Revelation Project Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the real science of creating reality and the dangers of wishful thinking with Bryna Haynes. Bryna is an inspirational speaker, philosopher, waymaker, retreat leader, coach, and award-winning best-selling author. Bryna Haynes is also the founder of Choose Your Evolution and the creator of the Quantum Evolution System. She helps conscious entrepreneurs, change makers, leaders, and influencers navigate growth and change so that they can step into their biggest vision in the most intentional ways possible. Learn more about Bryna and her work at BrynaHaynes.com. Hey, Bryna. I'm so thrilled to be here, Monica. This is this is take two. We tried this. <laughs> we tried to record it a week ago, and... Uh, and uh, something happened. So this is the conversation that we were actually meant to be having, right? <laughs> exactly. It's one of those like, okay, I'm just going to surrender to what is and know that it's like we kind of created the best part of the conversation at the end. So we'll start at the end. I love it. I love it. I <laughs> Good. Love it. Well, here's what I want to start with is what when you named your company Quantum Evolution, what what does that mean to you? So the the term quantum evolution came out of the research I was doing about the intersection of what we're learning in the field of quantum science, neuroscience, and the spiritual practices that we all know and love and the law of attraction and manifestation. And these things are not just coexisting, but actually very much entwined. And so when I coined the term quantum evolution, what that means to me is using our knowledge of the universe and the way that the universe operates in the space of potential and possibility and harnessing that to understand how we inhabit our space of reality and also leverage that knowledge to create the change in our reality that we're looking for. Yeah, I love that. Um, I remember the first time, you know, I really saw you speak on the subject. And what I loved about it was exactly what you said. It was like, it was like this idea of our infinite potential and possibility as human beings. But then the fact that you were backing it by science and I loved kind of that intersection of the two and the spirituality and kind of bringing that front and center. And I think so many of the women in that room, I remember kind of like really, really resonating. And so my next question is really about your work with women specifically, and why you chose women to work with. You know, that's a really good question. I think that we are as women, we're really we are ready and open to be the change that the world needs right now. Mm. And we're willing to set aside our old ideas of ourselves and all of those 
accumulated shoulds and have tos and paradigms and unhelpful traditions. And we've, we've come to a space collectively where we're ready to put all that aside in favor of something better, even if we don't know what that better looks like yet. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that I don't work with men. I do work with a few men. But to me, as women, we take such enormous responsibility, not just for our own experience and reality, but the experience and reality of others. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that turns into, into something that's not helpful. But our ability to see the bigger picture, our sort of innate compassion, our desire to do more, to be better, that is really infused into into everything that we do when we learn how to work with that in a really positive way instead of a way that that drains us and keeps us locked in in a system of shoulds when we take all of those positive aspects and we put them to work the power that is generated by that is incredible mm. and so as we evolve and evolution is definitely the word for it right it's beyond change it's beyond manifestation it's becoming something more and it's a step by step process but as we undergo this we don't just change ourselves we don't just change our personal reality we change everything that we touch and i think so many of the women that i'm lucky to be connected with including you we have such big missions and such a huge desire to see and create and and inhabit a better world. Mm. And that drive is what's pushing us to really look at what is actually going on inside us and what is serving us and what is not. And our willingness to, to jettison everything that is not working is it's never been, it's never been higher. It's never been more present than right now. Yeah, we're done. We're with done. The old ways. We're done. We are. We're done. We're done. And, and there's something about kind of this what I'm what I'm going to call kind of this middle world. It's it's almost like the the dissolution of is that the right word dis dis dissolving of the old world and really kind of this like allowing everything to kind of thoroughly fall apart kind of process that I feel like we're in the unbecoming of like where we've been and and what we've the old way and kind of like, I find myself having to remind myself every day to trust the process, trust the process. Like there are things happening here that I can't see, but I there's on some level, I'm feeling them. And I think that that's what you're pointing to. And and not that I I think, think all of us as human beings are capable of feeling, feeling what's going on at a certain level. But there's a way I think that women are, we're like the birthers. We're like the, we're like the midwives. We are, there's some way that we're able to kind of see and intuit and, and envision, uh, what's possible in a way I think that is kind of tied into our, our nature as creatrixes, you know, like there's just something magical happening that I can't see. And I know that, you know, that doesn't certainly, you know, take into consideration a lot of the suffering that's happening. But I think to your point, there's, there's kind of this evolution taking place. And I'm, I, I kind of love how, you know, you just said like it changes everything and like even the cells in our body. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, on, on the smallest possible level, if you're looking at, you know, subatomic particles, everything exists in a state of potential and possibility. And the, you know, this is where we, we get a little, a little sciency with it, right? But if you, you know, if you look at an atom, um, we used to think that electrons, you know, revolved around the nucleus of an atom, like planets around the sun in the solar system, but that's actually not true. Subatomic particles actually exist in the state of possibility and potential until they are observed. Mm. And what we're kind of doing right now, and I think that's, you know, your, your observation on that was really spot on. It's like we're retreating into this space of I don't know. And so we're not looking at things and seeing a solid structure. We're seeing possibility and potential. And it's our job not to try to force that into a fixed state, but to actually spend our time right now deciding what the hell we actually want before we go forcing our will on it just to have structure. And I think that that is something that women are innately good at is is not forcing the structure when we remember to be present when we remember to be um in flow when we remember to trust ourselves which is a huge discussion that I'm having with so many people right now when we remember to trust ourselves we don't necessarily need the certainty we can work in potential. Mm. And I think every human is capable of this. And I don't want to separate out how men and women relate to this necessarily. But I think that the discussion that we've been having as conscious women, because I think you and I, Monica, are both lucky enough to operate in a community full of women who are already doing this work and who have some background in what it means to be sovereign over ourselves. So so when we have a background in this work, we recognize that the things that are fixed and the things that are true are really about our truth, our potential, our knowledge of ourselves. And even that can be adapted as we evolve. And that the only really true thing is that we are little slivers of the divine here to have an experience. And everything else we think we know about ourselves is, again, possibility and potential. And it's what we choose to move toward that grows in our experience and our our definition of ourselves. I was going to say, it's, it's also like a great segue into kind of this term manifestation, right? That I think kind of is so elusive to so many. And you know, and, and when I hear you speak, I hear you oftentimes really talk to the emotion that is necessary <laughs> when it comes to our power to manifest. And I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit more. <laughs> sure. So um, I want to preface this by saying that I spent almost 20 years learning about various spiritual disciplines, about creating our reality, about working with energy. And in my previous career as a writer, ghostwriter, and book coach, I worked with amazing people in the personal development industry, many of whom talk about manifestation a lot. And, you know, two decades of being literally immersed 
in all of that, you know, from multiple perspectives, I still had no freaking idea how to create my reality in the way that everybody told me I could. Right? No idea. I mean, it was like maddening. It's like, what are they talking about? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I think intellectually, it all made sense. There it is. Right? There it Intellectually, is. it all made sense. I understood that, you know, my thoughts created a pathway for my energy and that I was constantly responding to my own thoughts. And I, I learned through, you know, years of, of practicing yoga and meditation to begin to observe my thoughts and calm them. And those, those deeply ingrained behaviors and thoughts and patterns. I had it in my head that, you know, as as much as I understood the mechanics of, you know, of evolution, of, of becoming a different version of me, that I was somehow stuck with these things about myself that were not in alignment with what I wanted. Mm. And I was afraid that I would no longer be me if I gave them up. Can you give us an example? Oh, yeah. Like my cynicism and my snark. It still comes out every once in a while. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I, I know. Of like, course, I've I love been, that about you. Oh, my God. I, and uh, it, it definitely comes out sideways sometimes. But behind that was a whole lot of judgment. Mm. And it's like, if I can dismiss this this idea, this situation this other person as like, oh my God, are you kidding me? You know, like it somehow protected my idea about myself. Mm -hmm. And I had no freaking idea how to deal with that. Because if I lost my snark, if I lost my my ability to to discern, which often slipped into judgment, if I, you know, if I if I let go of that aspect of myself, then I'd become unrecognizable. And my ego was not liking that one bit. Mm -hmm. And so I dwelt in this realm of the theoretical, where I, you know, I did my visualization practice, and I did my journaling, and I did all the practices. But I wasn't being different on a day to day basis. And I was wondering why the hell all the things I was trying to manifest were not showing up. (laughs) And it became very frustrating, because then for those of us with any kind of, you know, wounding or, or, you know, unhelpful core beliefs, the story turns into, I guess it doesn't work for me. Maybe what I want doesn't matter. Maybe I don't deserve what I'm trying to manifest. Maybe I'm stuck in this place. And, you know, what's the point? And that's a really, it's a really hard place to be when you really want something different. And you have all the theoretical knowledge, and yet none of it is working. Or it's working so slowly and, and at such a snail's pace that those of us who like to sprint are just like, ah, screw it, I'm done, right? And so 20 years of that and wondering what the hell was wrong with me, I finally started coming across some work in this more, more science-based realm. And again, it's it's all the same thing. I mean, what neuroscience is telling us about the way the brain works is pretty much the same thing that Patanjali was saying in the Yoga Sutra. I mean, it's all the same thing. But for some reason, for me, being a cynic, 
being in this, uh, this sort of intellectual realm, being more than slightly detached from my own emotions, (laughs) for some reason, it was the science that clicked. And for me, that changed everything. Because when I understood that it wasn't just about thinking better thought, it wasn't just about feeling better feelings. It was real manifestation is about choosing a new way of being and giving myself tangible evidence that that's possible by changing how I'm showing up in the world. And that's a very different practice then sit for five minutes in the morning and journal about what I want and then go about my day as if nothing is different. Oh my God. Okay. So uh, there's so much here. And what what I love about what you're talking about is it's this, so I may be off here, but it's this idea of the head and the heart that it's this idea of like, when you talked about the judgment or the cynicism, that's almost like the boulder that gets in the way of the flow of what we're trying to manifest. And underneath the cynicism and the judgment is kind of like old thought patterns or ways of protecting ourselves. And so what I make up is that there's actually something emotionally to process that has us then end up in a different place because that boulder is no longer there when we process it. Is that... Well, I think that for for many of us for a long time the boulder was invisible. Yes. Like we we cannot see into our own subconscious mind. Uh that's why it's subconscious. So it's uh it's really a question of having life or someone that we're working with, you know, for me most of my most of my big kind of revolutionary healing moments have been brought about in conversation with people who are on this path, with my friends, with my coaches, with my my energy healers, my my crew. We can't do this work alone. But at first the boulder is invisible. And we we wonder why we keep running into this invisible wall when we can so clearly see what's on the other side. But once the boulder becomes visible, we can move it. And I think the thing that I like to do a little bit differently in terms of that unpacking is that I believe that we don't always have to know the why. Sometimes in order to move the boulder, we have to crack it open, but we don't have to spend years going over every little bit of mineral inside. What we need to do is see the boulder as kind of a collection of thoughts and habits and patterns And then use the conscious mind, what it's really made for, to make a decision to be different. And then once we make a decision to be different, the practice and the system that I've trademarked as quantum evolution is really just about giving our subconscious mind more and more little bits of evidence that what we want is possible and true. Okay, so where does emotion belong in that? Emotion is what leads us toward what we want. Yes. Because you'll hear all the time when people speak about manifestation, this is absolutely true. Like, don't get too specific. Go with how you want to feel instead of the specifics of what you want. And that is absolutely 100% true. And coming back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, this is where we are right now. We don't know what the structures of this world are going to look like on the other side of this massive shift we're going through. What we need to be paying attention to and what will really serve us right now is asking, 
what do I want? How do I want to feel? How do I want to live every day? And moving in that direction. And sometimes, Bryna, I get to what I want by recognizing what I don't want. I think that's valid. And I think we need to do that. I think that's, you know, collectively what we're doing right now. It was a, we've got some big ass boulders dropped on us this year, right? It's like right. all, the, all the meteors are falling from the sky. Like, oh my gosh. And there's a lot of breaking apart that has to be done before we can move those out of the way. Well, and what else I, I really love about this is, you know, when we kind of come back and and really talk about the subject of women, what comes up for me is this daring to want. Because, and this is so interesting, because so many of us have been socialized to keep our wants, you know, kind of keep a lid on it, keep them small. And so what came, what had come up for me a lot in my work with you is like this idea of like giving myself full permission to desire to really kind of get in touch with my wants and my desires in a place where there are no limits. Exactly. Well, so... When we talk about knowing what you don't want, and I, this is the analogy that I often use, and I think it, I think it works here is like if we're standing in a field and we take all the things that we don't want, they're usually all kind of coming from the same direction. So like I'm standing here in this field and I don't know where I'm going, but I definitely don't want to go south because that's where all that crap is. And mm-hmm. so that's good to know. So south is off the table, but now you still have three cardinal directions and a whole bunch of places in between that are possibilities. And in order to actually find a direction and get yourself moving, you have to know what you do want as well mm-hmm. as what you don't want. And so doing this work of what do I want? What do I actually want? On the other side of this dismantling, What do I want life to look like for me, for my family, for my community, for this planet? What's my vision for that? And that's the work that's going to get us moving in a direction because I'm still, if I know that I don't want to go south, but the rest of the world is still open, I'm still in decision paralysis. I'm still not going anywhere. And all of this obviously is subject to divine timing. You know, we will be given the opportunity to clearly see the expression of our desires when the time is right for us to move toward them. And it's okay to not be in motion for a little while while all of these giant boulders are being broken apart on all of these various paths. However, for those of us who who are kind of natural <laughs> doers, I think that's most most of the women I know. Um, mm-hmm. It's very hard to be in that space of stillness, and if we're looking for something to feel like we're like we're doing something, like we're moving towards something, like we're like we're initiating some sort of creation process, the best question to ask yourself is, "What do I want?" and yeah. and then explore the answer without any limits or judgment on what you can currently conceive of as possible. So can I play with this idea a little bit? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I know what I don't want. I don't want any more conflict and, and 
all of this divisiveness in the world. Like, I, I don't want racism. I don't want all of the isms, the sexism, which starts to get me clear about what I do want. I want unity. I want peace. I want creativity. I want freedom. When I start to kind of now kind of bring that down toward my funnel of desires, I would say like, okay, how does that apply to me? Well, like for me, it's around creating and holding space that includes some of those things like community, writing, coaching, helping women reveal the truth of who they are, helping women be visible, helping them, you know, claim their desires and, and just really being of knowing that I want to be of service to women. Now, as I say all of that, you had said, don't get too specific. So am I specific enough? Yes. When we talk about not getting too specific, it's like, it's it's more along the lines of I'm going to serve women and it's going to be in this way and it's going to be in this time. Uh, attachment. Exactly. It, exactly. Okay. So the possibilities for you serving in the capacity that you've chosen are practically infinite. And right, it's, limitless. And it's and it's allowing, so this is what I want. This is how I want to feel. At the end of the day, I want to know, I want to feel in my body, in my mind, and in my heart that I have been of service to this group of people in this way. Show mm. me how to make that happen. And then be open to that being revealed to exactly. you, hence the Revelation Project. Exactly. Yay. It's all about putting the intention out there, you're moving toward uh, a sort of cluster of possibilities and then observing and waiting, waiting for even more possibilities to be revealed. So there's this narrative in many spiritual disciplines, and you may have read this. I, I believe this is somewhere in The Course in Miracles. It's definitely in a bunch of books that we've all read. The universe is always expanding. Mm -hmm. How I think mm -hmm. probably everyone has heard that at some point. Two years ago, me was like, what the F does that even mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what does that even mean? And actually what that means is that if the universe is composed of possibilities and potentials, we expand the universe through our energy and attention because what we focus on, we bring into being. When the electron is observed, it becomes a particle and not just a potential. And so when we put our energy into possibilities, into, into different aspects of our reality, those aspects will expand. And this is, this is backed up by a, a lot of research in neuroscience where what we pay attention to is what our brain prioritizes. This is what so many of those, you know, awesome morning practices that are being taught right now are based on, right? What okay. We, okay. Yeah. Well, so, and, and I love this because this is where I'm just like, okay, like the application of it. So, so I'm so excited right now because Bryna, if I were to apply this to what I just shared, <clears throat> my job as someone who wants this, who's now creating this possibility and holding the space for it to happen, trusting that the universe is going to help me if I continue to just bring my attention back to this possibility and what's possible and continue to connect to the feeling that comes with that inspiration, the feeling of creativity, the feeling of satisfaction, the feeling of 
you know, fulfillment. If I keep paying attention to how I want to feel like that, my job is to notice when I don't feel like that and to notice the thoughts I'm thinking that are creating a boulder in that flow and then get out of the way and come back to that feeling. Is that, Do I have it? Yes. And there's something else too, because we expand the universe by where we put our attention. And I think that I can safely say that most of us, and I include myself in this, probably pay equal amounts of attention over the course of a day to what we don't want as what we do want. And so I think right now is a time for us as conscious creators to start being very, very deliberate about which possibilities we are feeding. It's like that old story about it's the wolf you feed that lives. And so I can say that I want unity, that I want peace, that I want conflict resolution. And then I go on Facebook and I get all fired up. And I'm not saying that you do this, Monica. I know that you don't, no, but but I think I no. see this all the time. And I've had to actively stop myself from doing this. I go on Facebook and I read about the latest atrocity and the whole string of atrocities. And I start giving my attention to what I don't want. And my mm. mind starts ticking off the list of possibilities of what ifs down the spiral into hell. Right. And, right. And dissolution and all the things that we don't want. And I have just given more energy to the possibility of conflict than I have to the possibility of unity. And so So even though it's helpful for me to look at what I don't want, what like in terms of finding what I do want, so that served its purpose, now it's about really continuing to create habits that are in alignment with the energy of how I want to feel and noticing the ways that I can get caught caught in those old ways of being and shifting that. Exactly. It's a practice and it takes time and it takes energy and it takes in this day and age, a level of bravery that we may never have had to bring to bear before. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a perfect example is, you know, I've had icky money stories my whole life and I spent many years trying to manifest greater abundance. So I would, I would do my visualization. I would, you know, see myself as like, you know, having everything that I needed and, and all the things. And then the minute I opened my eyes, I would go back to talking and thinking about how much I didn't have, how much I wanted, but was not possible and refusing to look at where I was really at, you know, and, um, and I think that this is where we're waiting on the world to change, as the saying goes. And we don't need to wait for the world to change. In fact, our reality will not change until we do. And this oh. is why it's so important right now to actually like walk the talk, right? In order to see it, we have to be it. If I want unity, if I really want equity, unity, and conflict resolution, then I cannot allow myself to give any energy to conflict, even though diving into that rabbit hole on social media makes me feel justified in my purpose, right? Mm. And, you know, obviously, we're all going to have gut reactions when we see something that's that's awful. When we see something that is completely misaligned, we're all going to be like, ugh, right? 
And we're going to have that moment of like the typical narrative. How can the people on the other side be so stupid? How could they possibly believe that? Like I'm seeing so many of those narratives right now. And that's a natural reaction because it's we're seeing the antithesis of what we want. But when we every discussion that we have about what's happening in the world is about what we don't want, when we're not doing anything to perpetuate the opposite. When we're not putting more energy into unity than we are into division, we're actually expanding the universe in the direction of what we don't want. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You know what it's bringing up for me, too, is it's in the realm of what Lynn Twist calls being a proactivist versus an activist. And it's this idea of instead of being against, let's say, against vaccination, that you're pro transparency from pharmaceutical companies, or this idea of like, instead of being against racism, that you're for equality or right, like I'm not probably like summarizing it best. But this idea of like that against energy actually creates more of what we don't want. Exactly. And the other thing is too, just on a level of our personal reality, when we give attention and priority in our brains to the things that we don't want, we see more of those things they become more predominant in our awareness, even if there aren't actually more of them. Mm. I mean, have you, I'm sure that we've, we've all spoken to people who are in a lot of fear right now. And, you know, they, they believe that certain, that certain groups of people are, are terrifying and that they need to be afraid of those people. And what happens is when we make a decision about something, about how something is or what something is, our brains go to work gathering evidence that our belief is true. And this is the the real mechanism of how we create our reality. So if I say I want abundance, but I look around and my entire inventory of information that's coming into my brain every day is about poverty, then my reality is poverty. If I, if I say that I want everyone to get along, but every comment I leave on Facebook is like, how could those people be so stupid? My reality is division, you know, and I, I keep using that example because it's so up for me right now. If we really want an adult forward thinking solution to the problems we're facing right now, who's going to start being the adult in the room? That's mm-hmm. our job. As conscious creators, as spiritual leaders, it is our job to stop behaving like we're powerless around this and start putting our energy into the possibilities we want to expand. You know, it's it's really the whole idea of evolving is really just a fancy way of saying, let's hack the mechanisms in our brain so that we see more of what we want and give ourselves proof that it's possible. Right. Like just to make it very, very simple. It's focusing on more of what you want and continuing to practice the thinking, the thoughts of what's possible now. What's possible now? Exactly. Well, it's 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 actually, it's more than that. Because if we look at what we believe is possible now, our beliefs about possibility are actually directly tied to our experience of who we're being in this moment. And so if there's if you you are looking at what you can currently observe as possible 
you're looking from where you're standing right now. So what I'm hearing is like, it's, it's actually about the bigger vision. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So what I, the practice, simple, simple practice I have my clients do is, you know, spend the time visualizing what, what do you desire? What do you actually want? What is, what does that feel like when you, when you have this thing that you're, that you're striving to create? What does that feel like? What does that look like? How does that feel in your body? All of that. And then when it's time to make a decision, small daily decisions, you know, what do I eat for breakfast? What do I post on social media? How do I direct this conversation that I'm having? We need to make decisions from the standpoint of the possibility that we're moving towards and not the possibility of who we've been in the past and where we're standing right now. So the question I have people ask is, what would the version of me who has what I want do right now? And the answers that you get when you practice that can be really surprising. You know, the version of me who values herself, what does she do right now? Well, she probably uh, doesn't get stuck in that narrative of overwhelm. She goes and she takes a break because she values herself. Oh, I just had this experience this morning. I love this. Okay. Because, you know, like I had, I'm just going to share this quick experience. Because again, for me, it's about application, right? And kind of some of these examples are so helpful. So, you know, I recognize that I recently had... I recently had the opportunity to work with a client that actually wasn't a great fit for me. And my body kept kind of telling me through anxiety, through like, ah, you know, like I had all the feelings, but like my brain was intellectualizing, like, you can do this, you've got this. But like the version of me that values myself was like, you know what? No, I'm going to refer her on to somebody who I think is a better fit. And how many times have we done that to ourselves? The version of me who has what I want doesn't eat a bag of tortilla chips at a sitting. And I'm speaking about this from personal experience because chips are like my <laughs> ongoing love affair. The version of me who has what I want does not eat the entire bag of tortilla chips in one sitting. And yet here I am with the bag of tortilla chips because I'm living in the habit of the now. And that's, yes, that's why okay. this is a practice and not just flipping a switch and having everything be different. I have to start making decisions as if I already had what I wanted and then give myself proof through that experience that it's possible for me to have what I want. Because if I'm making decisions from the me right now, then as I enjoy the hell out of those tortilla chips, my, my inner narrative is saying, you'll never give these up. Look, you, you didn't give these up today. You're never going to give these up. The version of me who already has what I want, which is you know less inflammation, a healthier body, the, the version of me who has what I want would make a different decision. And it's only after I make the decision and do the thing that I get the proof of experience that things can actually be different. At the end of the day, I don't feel bloated. I can observe that and say, wow, okay, so when I don't do this thing that I've been trying to avoid, I feel better. This is evidence that this is a good idea. Maybe I should keep doing this. It's these little tiny daily decisions that add up to a new way of being. And I think this is where I went wrong for decades. And this is where... Well, I think this is where we all go well, wrong yeah, for it's decades. Like, so we expect oh, the big God. fix. We expect that, you know, we're going to make a decision to change our, our habits and that, you know, that decision 
is going to change all the habits all at once. And then, and then everything will be different. And then I will feel different about myself. Then I will have a different experience. We have to create the experience first before we can start having a different reality. We have to put energy into possibility before it becomes solid enough to touch. And that takes a ton of bravery and willpower and self-trust. And that yes. is like, you know, people want to know this, the secret to manifestation. That's it. You have to be it before you can see it. I have to be the version of me who has what I want before I get what I want. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So yes, because it's, the, it's like the definition of insanity. Totally. To continue doing the same thing I've always done. I'm going to get what I've always gotten. And that's that thing I mean about how many clients have I had to where I've taken them on when my body has said no. It's like the no is the indicator. And it's this idea of now that I've kind of really honored the version of myself who values myself and said, no, I'm going to refer this client along. And now I'm back in this space of like alignment where I'm back to like feeling what's possible and almost like it's created this space to invite someone who's more aligned with me. And I think that when when we get into those spaces, because I've had the same experience over you know multiple years, is that the narrative that tries to dissuade us from making the decision as the highest and best version of ourself is almost always fear-based, right? Mm. Well, if I don't say yes to this client, I might not be able to pay my bills this month. So I'm oh, going to make this compromise so and I'm going to do this thing. And we're seeing from this, from that space of our current possibility and not moving into the possibilities that we want. We're, we're reacting rather than creating. And again, like that movement from reaction to creation requires a ton of trust and bravery. It's the a trust ton. that if I say no to this thing that I know is wrong, but that's going to pay my bills, that I trust myself to create something that is better that will also pay my bills. I trust oh. that the universe is supporting me. I trust that if I put this boundary down with this person that I love, that I'll be okay no matter how they react. But if I'm making decisions from past experience, I'm going to keep recreating that past experience. I see so many people staying in relationships they've outgrown for this very you know, reason of like this fear that somehow like, and I hear it all the time with, you know, women who've really outgrown relationships, you know, where it's a fear of how am I gonna, you know, am I ever going to find anybody else to love me? Am I ever going to, you know, make it on my own in business? Like all of these fears that keep them staying in a feeling that isn't life-giving, that isn't filled with possibility, that isn't helping them get closer. It's what you're saying It takes a tremendous amount of bravery and trust. One of the questions I get asked most is, how do you do the whole self-reinvention thing? Because people who have known me for a long time know and know that I've gone through like multiple seemingly unrelated iterations of my you life have. And career. It's um, crazy. And and you know, like I thrive on this. And this is this is how I keep my life exciting. You're like Madonna. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If if only next next thing you know, it'll be it'll be 40 something year old me strutting naked in Brooklyn, right? Um but yes, uh, absolutely. I, yeah, I would, I'm down with that. Why not? Why not? You know, but really. The only common ingredient 
for anybody who's looking to make a major change is trust. It's self-trust mm -hmm. and it's actually being willing to follow through on the beliefs that we profess about God, the universe, source, creation, whatever you call it. Because if I say that the universe has my back, if I say that I trust the universe to provide for me, and then I keep making decisions that keep me stuck because I don't know what's going to happen, that I am directly in misalignment at cross purposes with my stated belief, and then I stop trusting myself because I'm not living according to the beliefs that I've professed. And that's where belief, you know, we all know about unhelpful subconscious beliefs and how they play out in our actions and all of that. But belief has another role. And that's the bridge between here and there, right? Mm. The only thing that's going to support you as you take the step from who you're being now to who you're becoming is belief. And so for me, this summer has been a huge re-examination of my beliefs. Do I actually trust the universe to provide what I need for me to do my best work in the world? Or do I still think that I need to do all the things and make it happen? Mm. What do I believe about death? What do I believe about our purpose here? What do I believe about divine timing? What do I believe about the nature of humanity? Like this is the stuff I'm working with right now. And man, is it freaking hard to act as if in the face of everything that we're seeing now. But if I really trust the universe, if I truly believe that I create my reality through the alignment of my energy and the possibilities that I choose, then it's my responsibility to not act counter to that because I'm feeling reactionary. And I have to live as if all of it is true. I have to live as if equity exists. I have to live as if the universe will provide for my every need. I have to make my decisions from that place. Otherwise, I'm undermining my trust in myself because if I believe something that's not true, if I say it, I believe it and then I act as if it's not true, then that fissure is is literally cracking me open. I love that expression. I heard it I heard it said, I remember in leadership during one of the most messy situations. And I can't remember the specifics of the situation, but what I remember the leader saying to us is, this is what it looks like when it's all working out. And I thought, that's just such a fascinating statement, given it's like this idea of if I were to look out there and let all of what's happening in the world kind of inform me. I can choose. Like, again, there's a bridge right there between kind of like what's going on now and where we want to be. And that's it's this idea of shifting that thought pattern into this, you know, realm that is this constant practice and really just continuing it. What it com what comes up for me is you're not bypassing reality. You're not spiritually bypassing when you're doing this. You're able to kind of be with everything as it is and allow yourself to trust that this is the process. This is the way. This is the opening. This is that there's a bigger possibility that you're standing for that you believe in. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and I I love that you said that because I was actually going to bring that up that, you know, by focusing on on what you desire and what you're creating and who you're becoming, you are absolutely not denying reality. Denying reality is pretending that you can have everything you want without changing yourself. Oh my God, thank you. Because honestly, that's that place that drives me crazy is there's this way I think that we can show up for each other that I've I've had so many women. I don't know. It's it's the, you, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's like that spiritual bypassing thing or that bypassing thing. It's like like it both can stand together is what I what I'm hearing you say. I can be with the reality of what is and right? Sacred and. I think it it has a lot more to do with decision-making than with wishful thinking. So to me, wishful thinking is doing my five-minute visualization practice, doing my meditation, and then going about my day as the current version of me doing nothing differently and expecting things to change. Yeah. Yeah. That is wishful thinking. And what we're doing by living into this practice of what I call quantum evolution, and, and people have multiple names for, it, and it doesn't really matter what you call it, but um, what we're doing is we're, we're very consciously observing what is, and then choosing to respond to it from a higher place, from a higher version of ourselves. We're not ignoring what's happening. But if I'm being the version of me who has the things that I want, my response to what's happening is going to be markedly different. So the version of me who exists right now is is tempted to play the blame and shame game around world events. The version of me who inhabits the world that I want to see observes what's happening and then does something proactive to bring in new possibilities to to not even push back against it, but to be in a creative space around what I want. My response to what is, is different. And that is how we create a new personal reality for ourselves. That is how we create a new collective reality for ourselves. That's how we we manifest like, like gangbusters. Like we manifest like magic because we are responding to reality. We are responding to what is. We're not ignoring what's happening. We're simply choosing to respond from a higher place. And that is so different and it feels so different in our bodies and it trains our brains, which are, you know, amazing information processing, you know, supercomputers. It trains our brains to prioritize what we're moving into instead of what we're moving against. Okay. Now in our last few minutes, this has been so great, Bryna, because I know that you know that I've been playing a little bit of a role here in order to kind of really, really help our audience kind of see how this gets applied. And you have some great information about what it takes to actually change these patterns, how long it takes to change these patterns. And this is where your work comes in as the practical application and practice of this work on a day-to-day basis. So what I'd love you to do now is like tell our audience, how do you work with women and what are the programs that you have that can support them if this is of interest to them? Oh, thank you so much. So the research that I've done is a lot in the area of behavior change and the way that our brains prioritize and process information. 
So this is just a very small piece of it, but I'll share this here because this, I think this will help everyone really get started with this journey of being it to see it, of, of acting as if, if you will. So we have a, a sort of filtration system in our brains. It's called the reticular activating system. And the job of the reticular activating system is to sort and process the 8 billion pieces of information that our brains receive every day. So without this incredible little uh, mechanism in our brains, we would be incredibly present, but not very effective. So, so, you know, the fact that you're sitting on a chair, you know, your butt is on the chair, because I said that, you noticed your butt on the chair, I bet you, right? Or or wherever mm-hmm, you're sitting right exactly. now. Because we have prioritized in our minds this conversation as important. This is worthy of my attention. And thank you, everyone, for, for doing that. And, you know, so I mentioned that and your attention goes there. This is how our attention gets directed. We see something, we react to it. I see something... Uh, happening in my front yard, I react to it. I see something happening online, I react to it. I hear about my butt in a chair, I react to it with my attention. So the reticular activating system is organized to prioritize these incoming pieces of information. So that happens not only in terms of uh, survival mechanisms and our kind of physical evolution as humans, but also according to our beliefs and our personal priorities. And so if I have a belief that the world is a dangerous place, all of the information out of those 8 billion pieces that come at me every day, uh, all of the information that corresponds to that belief is automatically going to be prioritized in my awareness. If I, if I am thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about my body a lot. You know, I want it to become more fit or I'm dealing with some sort of diagnosis. I'm going to receive more information from and about my body in my conscious awareness because I've set that as a priority. Now, the way that this works in terms of manifestation and creation and evolution is that we decide what those filters are and our decision is enough of a factor to change out those filters at will. So if we decide that we would like to be different around some aspect of our reality, if we want to make a change, if we want to feel more empowered, if we want to be able to receive, if we want to to really stand for something, to live into our mission, our first job is to check our filters and reset the ones that don't align with this vision that we have. And so so when we do that, when we make a decision to prioritize a new set of information or a new belief, you know, I it might be shifting my belief, one of the beliefs that I've contended with for years, I think a lot of us share it is I don't matter. How many of us have that deep that deep subconscious belief of I don't matter? If I decide that I I want to shift this, the first thing I need to do is make a decision that I do matter. And I need to enforce that priority on my brain for 72 hours. That is the amount of time the research that I've done indicates that it takes 72 hours to begin to write a new neural pathway and reset the reticular activating system. So for three solid days, I have to think, feel, and behave as if I matter and pay attention to the confirmation that I get, whether it's signs from the universe or conversations that I have or, you know, little things, all the little things I need to pay attention to those. And I need to tell my brain, Hey, 
this is proof that I matter. And I need to start gathering that proof, which then gets stored in my subconscious as priority information that is now telling me that this new version of me is possible. After 72 hours, we've kind of worn a a little track on the forest floor. We've established the the potential for new neural pathways. We've kind of laid the groundwork. Now we have to continue behaving as if and telling our brains to prioritize this for three weeks until it becomes a habit. And then after those three weeks, we have to continue living as if. It does get easier. Doesn't always... Uh, become automatic though, until after about nine months when it becomes a way of being. At that point, it'll be ingrained, it'll be automatic, and you'll be fully evolved in that capacity. So this is really... Yeah, I was just going to say that was the exact length of the program I did with you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And the reason that I work with people in nine-month spans, and uh, this wasn't always the case, but it's true now, is, is simply because... My work, my mission, my purpose, where I feel I can, I can really be the change that I want to see in the world is by helping people evolve into the, the versions of themselves who can be the change in their quarter of the world, in their unique mission, in their unique expression. And so it does take nine months. And I think that, you know, there's been this sort of instant manifestation narrative that that takes over in a lot of spaces. And, you know, if you're already 98% of the way there and you flip that reticular activating system switch, then yes, you can manifest instantly. But when it comes Mm -hmm. to deep change and big evolution, it takes time, it takes practice, and it takes attention. So um, so I help people with this in a number of ways. The first is I, I work with select private clients over nine-month periods. And a lot of my clients I meet with every single week. And this is a huge um, accountability practice, as well as making sure that this evolution, this shift, this growth is always top of mind and is always prioritized in my clients' awareness. And then, you know, making the daily and weekly tweaks that go along with that to really continue that upward spiral. I also have a really awesome membership that I'm super excited about. It's called Manifestation Nation. And again, it's really about how do we be in this work every day so that it remains top of mind and we keep getting information that will help us evolve. So the membership is is so much fun. We do live trainings every month and I have guest expert trainings every month. And we're recording this in September 2020. And Monica, actually, you are the guest of honor in a Manifestation Nation this month. So this is just, yay, yay super awesome yay. timing. We also have uh, guided meditations that I record with my super awesome little brother who's a sound engineer. It's all healing frequencies and really fun stuff. Uh, journal pages to use every day, mantras to print. And, and it's, it's, it's all about this constant practice and redirecting of attention. When we can gather again, when we are allowed out of, out of COVID quarantine, my favorite thing to do is live events and international retreats. So there'll be some of that coming up hopefully in 2021. But you know, my, my favorite thing in the world, and Monica, you know this, is having these kinds of conversations is like putting energy into this practice of becoming. And it just lights me up so much to to know that, that first of all, that I'm surrounded by such incredible women, inc- you know, including and foremost you. Oh, and, thank you. And our, and our amazing community. But also that 
you know, this work is so important to so many people right now. And that Uh, we can continue to have these conversations, you know, with one another. And simply doing that, simply talking about this, simply talking about our beliefs and what we're evolving into and what we want, talking about what we want. Oh my God, this puts more energy into it. This expands that possibility. And it's the little things, the little things that we do every single day that shape our world. And just listening to this conversation, if you're listening to this podcast, having these conversations with your friends and the people that you love and trust, choosing to trust yourself and your evolution, choosing to make tiny different daily decisions, all of that, it might not feel like a lot, but every time you do those little things, you're feeding possibility in the direction of what you want. And the cumulative effect is staggering. It really is staggering. And I just want to acknowledge you, Bryna, for your work in the world, for this amazing conversation, you know, and all of the ways that you have just really committed your work to really creating these communities where where women can start this practice, start this conversation, but then continue it. Because I love what you just said about that's it's in the community. And what I want to say is it's in the community that we create the reality because it, it's that conversation that we keep alive. And I couldn't agree with you more about how important that is, that as women, we have that ability to circle in sisterhood at this time and really have the conversations, reveal the conversations, re- reveal the desires, you know, that allow us to kind of connect with and then manifest what it is that we want and all of the ways that we need to show up and be in order to create that reality. So thank you so much. You are unstoppable. I adore you. And I can't wait for our guests to be able to learn more about you. So where do they go? Where's the website? Uh, the website is brinahaines.com. And uh, ev- everything everything is on there. You can find out all the things. I'm also on Facebook at Bryna Haynes, Choose Your Evolution, and on Instagram at Bryna Haynes. At this point in time, I'm more active on Facebook because I love the conversational nature of the platform. But you can definitely uh, hang with me on Instagram too. And I just, I want to say thank you, Monica, because, you know, not only you know, is it just super awesome that we get to have these conversations? But I just I have so much just joy and love and respect for you in your work of bringing these conversations to the women in your audience. And one of the things that I love most about you is that you see that evolved version of everyone around you, you see people in their highest and best state. And that seeing and that reflection back to them, that revelation mm-hmm. is the greatest gift that, that you can give. And, you know, finding a, a, a person, a community, a group where you feel witnessed in your highest and best expression, I think is, is something that, that every woman needs and, you know, your community and your work is such a gift for them in that way. So thank you. Thank you for being. I love you. Oh, I love you too. That that was really, I was like, let it in, Monica, let it in, you know, on this end, it just feels so good to be seen in that way. And I, you know, mutually just just admire you so much. So thank you again. And for our audience, you know, more to be revealed. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.